You know, somebody said, if you shake your family tree, you know, a bunch of nuts are going to fall out. (laughs) Well, and also we've been warned, if you shake your family tree, you don't know what's going to fall out. And I shared with you last week, one of the things that fell out of mind that I really was disappointed at the time, but then I began to see the redemption and the redemption story played out even in my own family tree where there was a dark moment in my family's history. And so the things that, that, that Matthew brings up are things that show us what God was all about in even Jesus coming to earth and who he came to earth for. And you can see God's hand in this in such a wonderful way. Now, out of nowhere, he brings in and names women that didn't even have to be named. And what we want to look at this morning is one of those women and uh, one of those men. And uh, it's found in the genealogy beginning in Matthew 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. And so he lets us know right off the bat, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the promised one. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. And then he explains the lineage. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. He had 11 brothers. There were 12 altogether. Judah wasn't the oldest. Judah was not the best by any means. Judah and his brothers. The name Judah may not have any significance But he had a famous brother, and he's not mentioned here because he was not not chosen to be the son through whom the Messiah would come. And God didn't choose the oldest brother. He didn't choose the best brother. He chose Judah. And uh, that will come as a comfort for us today. You see, Reuben was the oldest. Judah was is not who you would have picked. And this is the point of this moment in the story. You are not who you would have picked. And so you assume you are not who God would have picked, especially when you look around at the people who are clearly more qualified, more holy, more spiritual, less selfish, and with, you think, less baggage. Judah's story begins in Genesis 37, and he's really just playing a supporting role at that point in Genesis to the story of his younger brother, Joseph, which sets the stage for Judah's problems. You know, Joseph was his dad's favorite, it was clear. And he'd been given that coat of many colors and his brothers just got to where they couldn't stand him because he was always having these dreams that really exalted him above his brothers. 
And uh, they became very jealous of Joseph. And Judas is jealous of his brother's favored status with his dad. And his jealousy and the jealousy of his brothers turns to hatred. And when Judah gets the opportunity, he acts on his anger and he does the unthinkable. In Genesis 32, oh, I'm sorry, Genesis 37, 23 through 27, we read, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. That's the coat of many colors. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat, they, they do this. They, they kind of beat him up, take his robe off and throw him in a well. And then they sit out to have, sit down to have lunch. Wow. As they sat down to their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Now, I must add a prequel to this. Whenever they first saw Joseph coming, the plan, they all said together, let's kill him and take his robe and shred it and put blood on it. And then we'll show it to his dad, to our dad, and they'll think that he's dead. Or they'll, they'll, he'll know that he's dead. They'll think, but he'll think a wild animal did it. But Reuben, his oldest brother, remember we were talking about the older brother and what the older brothers, well, Reuben was the leader and he didn't, he knew how this would hurt his dad. And so he was trying to stop this, but at the same time, let them show uh, their disapproval to Joseph. And so he said, let's not kill him. Let's just put him down in that well. And so they said, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. So that's what they did. They put him in the well. But you see, Reuben's plan was to come back and save him. The elder brother, remember, Jesus is our elder brother. He comes when we're in the well and we can't do anything else and we're hopeless and helpless and he saves us. That was Reuben's plan. But Reuben was off somewhere whenever these Midianites showed up. And so when he went back, the well was empty and Reuben was beside himself with grief. So you need to know that Reuben had a plan of rescue, but that plan was thwarted. But listen to what Judas, this, that was Reuben's Reuben had good intentions out of all this. But listen to Judah. Listen to this guy. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Maybe we can profit from his suffering. Doesn't that sound evil? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. <laughs> and they all said, yeah. And so that's where the story is at this moment. He covers his sin with an elaborate lie to his father. And then he stands 
and he watches his father almost self-destruct with grief. And Judah never cracks. That's a hard heart. Every year on the anniversary, he remembers what he's done. Every year on Joseph's birthday, over 20 years go by and he lives with this secret and the accompanying guilt. Maybe some of y'all can identify with that. Maybe you're living with a secret and some guilt. Meanwhile, Joseph is a slave and then a prisoner and then prime minister of Egypt. In Genesis 38, we find what happened to Judah in the interim, and it gets bad and kind of creepy, if you really look at it. Judah gets married to a Canaanite woman, by the way, and has two sons, and they get married, and the oldest is evil and dies. And then the second one does something bad that we're not even going to talk about here uh, and dies. And so he tells his daughter-in-law Tamar to go home and wait for his youngest brother or his youngest son to grow up so that she she could marry him to keep him in the family. So he's, she's supposed to go home and stay with her father as a widow until the, the last son left is old enough and then she's supposed to become his wife so that she can have kids uh, to take care of her. She waits a couple of years and she sees that Judah's not going to keep his promise. And so she dresses up like a temple prostitute. She puts on a veil and dresses up like a hooker. And then she apparently knows and she's gotten word of the way that Judah is going. And apparently she had a knowledge of Judah's ways because she just goes and she sits and, and along the way dressed like a hooker. And there's a story and there's something in this. There's a message in this for uh, young ladies today and older ladies for sure today. And that is if you dress like a hooker, expect to be treated like a hooker. Okay. That's the word uh, for for that for parents. If you ever need, this is a place to get that story made to get that point across to your kids, because she didn't say a word. She just dressed like a hooker, knowing she was going to be treated like a hooker. And so she waits there. He comes by. He sees her, and he goes up to her and says, "Hey, hey, hey! Let me come in with you." And she says, "What you going to give me?" He says, "How about a goat?" Good deal. Well, I don't have a goat with me right now. So what can I leave you assured? He said, well, I'll take your signet ring and your staff. And uh, let's see, there was one other thing, your seal. And I'll hold those assurity till you bring me the goat. So he goes in with her, it says, and she conceives. And so uh, then uh, the story goes on that uh, after he uh, gets back uh, on the trail. He sends his friend back with the goat to get his signet ring and his staff and his seal back. And she, they, the, the guys around the area said, no temple prostitutes around here. We don't know what you're talking about. Never been one, never will. And so he has to go back and tell Judah. 
got your goat, but don't have your stuff. Lady wasn't there or woman wasn't there. And uh, he said, well, let's just keep quiet about this and play like nothing happened. And so he was just going to forget about it. He tried to keep because he tried to honor his word. And so he was okay with that. But then uh, he gets word a few days later uh, or a few months later, actually three months later, it's reported that his daughter-in-law Tamar is pregnant, that she has, quote, played the harlot, unquote. And uh, he does what every guilty person does. He overreacts to the sins of others. And he demands that she be burned alive. He got very self-righteous. We must uphold the law. Very different when he's judging somebody else. A lot of people are like that, aren't they? They'll make exceptions for themselves. But others, man, we got to keep the word of the law on this deal. Now then, as they're leading her out to be burned, she sends word to Judah. I am with child by the man to whom these things belong. Do you recognize any of this stuff? And Judah says, uh, oh, not going to be any harlot burning today. Um, let's just all forget about this and let's just go home. Everything's cool. And uh, so uh, the execution is stopped and he declares, she is more righteous than I am. I did not keep my word and marry her to my third son. So, she is now pregnant by her father-in-law, and uh, she has spared death. And this may ring with, may, you may hear some things in this that come out of Jesus' mouth later on. It makes you wonder if uh, because of Judah's experience, maybe he was humbled and he realized that we shouldn't be so judgmental without looking at ourselves first and maybe use the same standard for ourselves, for, for others that we use for ourselves. Later on, there's a woman caught in adultery and she's brought and thrown at Jesus' feet. Said this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law says to kill her. What do you say? And he looks at her and he looks at them and he says, let him who is without sin, cast the first stone. And then it says he took a, took a stick and he started writing on the ground. And then he looked up and every one of them has dropped their stone and walked away. Some people think that Judah was, I mean, that Jesus was writing different sins that they had committed down. It very well could be that he wrote just one name, Judah. They would have all known the story and they would have all been reminded, judge others by the same measure that you judge yourself. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, we hear these words, judge not lest ye be not judged for with the same measure that you judge, that's the measure that's going to be used to judge you. Do you hear a ring in Jesus' words and what Judah did, was doing 
and caught himself doing and stopped. It very well may have been passed on as a family tradition. We show mercy. Who knows? But something happened there. And it comes up again much, much later. And she, uh, it says, uh, uh, let's see, later on, she gives birth to, to two boys. They're twins. And one of them's name is Paris. And Paris becomes a part of the genealogy of our Savior. But Judah still has a secret. And he plans to take it to his grave. But God saw different, didn't he? A famine hits the land and Judah and his brothers go to Egypt to buy food. And you know all the story there and how at the very end of it, whenever uh, they're wanting to, when Joseph says, I'm just going to keep Benjamin, you bring Benjamin here and I'll keep him. Now, you see, Benjamin was his brother by the same mother. All the brothers are all brothers, but they didn't all have the same mother. But Benjamin was his blood brother all the way around. And he was very special to his father. And they all knew that if they went back without Benjamin, that it would kill their father. But part of the story is, is that they have to go back and tell him that if you'll, he said, if you'll bring Benjamin, then I'll give you some grain. And so they bring him and then they're talking about, they, he frames them and they're standing there and they're saying, if we, if we leave Benjamin with you, it will kill our father. And her father, their father had already said, I already lost one of my sons by this woman. I don't want to lose my other. It would kill me. And so they can't stand it. And in the midst of all this, Judah doesn't really ever come clean. But he does come forward and he says, I can't break my father's heart. Keep me as your slave and send Benjamin home. And then Joseph sends everybody out of the room and Judah has missed every opportunity along the way up to this point to confess what he has done. And he is eyeball to eyeball with the brother whose cries for help he had ignored and was carried off into Egypt. He never confessed what he had done. He never came clean on anything until he had no choice. This was just kind of Judah's way, wasn't it? He confessed once and there was no other way out. Anyway, in the midst of all this, God reaches down and he chooses Judah over Joseph. Don't you think if we were writing this, if if it was us and we were God and we were choosing which of the brothers I think I'd have chosen Joseph, you know, I mean, look at Joseph's lineage. look what all he did, you know, or, and, and, and yet, you know, Judah over Joseph to become his 35 great grandfather. If you were God, you wouldn't have chosen, you would have done this way. And I wouldn't have either. God had 12 choices and he chooses Judah. God seems to be saying there's a man among them 
that needed my grace the most. And that's the man I'll choose through whom I'll bring grace and forgiveness to the world. So just before Jacob dies, he gives a final blessing to his sons. And this is one of the, I bet this blessing just cut him to the quick. Because if you'll recall, the thing that Joseph said that kind of put everybody over the brink was whenever the, his sheaves, his sheaves stood tall and all the brother's sheaves bowed down to them. That was the can, that was the, you know, the camel that broke the needles. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. That was the one. And so now, just before Jacob dies, he gives a final blessing to each one of his sons. And it says in Genesis 49, Judah, through you, will rise up a king and all your brothers and their descendants will bow down to him. Don't you know that cut Judah to the quick? That he winds up with the same blessing that Joseph did have in a way. All his brothers did bow down to him ultimately. But now God blesses him with the thing that he was so jealous of in someone else. God is so good at just blessing us and making it hurt sometimes, isn't he? And so here we have Judah being the one that's going to be in the lineage of Jesus. Okay, here's the word to you today out of this, especially if you are a secret keeper. All the people with dark chapters uh, that you don't want anybody to know about, everybody who has regrets, deeply embarrassing moments in your life, those of you who have inflicted hurt on other people and you've never made it right, those of you who took secrets into marriage and live with the fear of being found out, God has good news for you through Judah. You are prime candidates for my grace, God saying this morning. You are candidates to be mightily used by me. There's no need to hide from me because I already know. There's no need uh, for you to hesitate to even begin a spiritual journey because of all that you bring with you, I say, Bring it on. See what I can do with those secrets that you wish nobody ever even found out about. You know, God's circle of grace is big enough to encompass all of us. Liars, cheaters, deceivers, disloyal people, we're all candidates to be used by him in ways that exceed our expectations. That's the word to us this morning. In spite of ourselves, God desires 
to use us as channels of his grace and hope in this fallen world. So I said, Judah had a son named by his daughter-in-law, Tamara. His son's name was Perez. In Matthew 1, 3 through 5, we read Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amenadab, Amenadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salomon, Salomon the brother of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Another woman thrown in there. Rahab, remember her nickname? Remember her appellation? Rahab the... Huh? I can't hear you. Yes. Okay. Okay. Whenever you say Rahab, you say the harlot. And what's she doing in here? She's a woman with a past. And that's what we're going to be looking at next week. This week, as we come to the Lord's table, we remember who he came for. And he shows us who he came for through his lineage, all those people that other people don't want to have anything to do with, all those people really that we are in different ways and don't want other people to know about. It's us that he came for and he died for so that we can be used by him as channels of grace in the world today. Amen.